Hey everybody, welcome to Climbing the Coaching Ladder with Derek Marchone on episode four today. We have um, Candice Walker, Associate Head Coach at St. John's University for Women's Basketball. Thanks for hopping on, Candice. No problem, man. I'm excited to be here. Um, so kind of, I just want to kick it off right away and um, kind of just hear your story, of how, how you got into coaching, kind of your journey through and how you've ended up at this point at St. John's. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm Candace Walker, but uh, excited to be here. Um, I actually started coaching after being injured multiple times in college. Uh, my dream was always to um, play overseas, uh, play professional some type of way, but due to tearing my, my ACL twice um, on both knees and, and then um, just being injured literally my whole career besides my freshman year, I just decided to figure out a way to just stay around the game. Um, and initially I, I attended So You Want to Be a Coach, um, which was a great experience. But uh, after being there, I noticed, you know, how much time, you know, it, the game was still going to take up of my life. So I kind of decided not to get straight into it. Um, I actually got a job writing grants for a nonprofit or organization. Um, and then I did that for like maybe like a month, month and a half before I got a call from my uh, former high school coach who had gotten a, Division two job at Wilmington University in Delaware. So um, she was like, "Look, I don't have much to play, much to pay you, but um, I would love for you to just come up and see and, and let me know if you know you want to be around and be on staff." So I drove up to Wilmington. I was living in Maryland at the at the time at my parents' house, um, and once I got in the gym and got around the girls, I was like, "I got to do this." So um, I ended up, you know, letting go of my my nonprofit job and uh, jumping right into coaching and. I've kind of been in it ever since. So um, it was, it's, it's been awesome. Um, it was a struggle at first, uh, you know, just been ha having to work two jobs um, because at Wilmington, I probably got paid like maybe $400 a month. Um, so like part-time I worked at Nordstrom where I was a personal stylist um, and would style some of the like Philadelphia Eagles wives. Um, you know, even some of my clients still to this day, I'm pretty close with. So um, it was a very, uh, different type of schedule than I'm on now, which I'm, you know, I'm grateful for where I am now. But um, I think that that, you know, going through that definitely makes me cherish um, being a full-time coach every day um, and being a, to be around something that I love to do each and every day and around, you know, players that I love to be around each and every day. So um, truly blessed. Um, from there, I actually got, I was there for two years. Um, and then from there, I got a, a call from, uh, UMass, um, where I took the job to be a Dovo for a year. Um, after my first year, we would actually let go. Um, but I was actually uh, kept on by Toy Birdie um, and then promoted uh, before my first season even started with him. So, um, you know, I was there for five years um, and then at my alma mater, Loyola, for one year. Um, I actually left UMass, you know, to go to Loyola um, due to injury. Uh, crazy thing is I was working out one of our players at UMass and I tore my Achilles. So um, I had been living in, you know, Massachusetts by myself for five years. And I just felt that the injury would be just too tough for me to be out there by myself. So I decided to, you know, move back home um, where I was with my fiance and my family and was able to be around love each and every day for my family. Um, and I was there for a year and then accepted a job here at St. John's University um, as a recruiting coordinator um, and then was promoted this past year uh, to associate head coach. So that's kind of been my journey. Um, it's kind of been 
a lot of people would say it's kind of been fast. Um, I was kind of at one place for a while. And then like after that, it just kind of, um, you know, moved on up the ladder. And then, um, you know, I'm in the position that I am now. I just believe, um, you know, by working hard and just making a, a name for myself as, you know, recruiting players and having the best relationship with players um, and being, you know, energetic coach. So um, that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Yeah, and I, I I love your story, and we were talking about it before um, yeah. we started recording because I actually think so. My first year coaching in college, I was at Georgian Court in 2014. Yeah, and, yeah. and so and you were that you were at yeah. Wilmington 2014, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So we we coached against each other. Against had each no other. clue. That's insane. Had, <laughs> had no clue. Right. What was going on? I was probably so bright eyed. Like I was. <laughs> oh, we were we were so bad. Um, oh, jazz has ended up, <laughs> but it's actually like, I love that conference, the CACC. Yeah. Um, it, it's improved a lot. And especially that, that one side of Holy family, Jefferson, Chestnut yeah. Hill, Goldie Beacom, uh -huh. GCU and Wilmington. Yeah. It was over. It was always really competitive. Yeah. Um, and I, rem I remember playing against Wilmington was always difficult. You guys were really athletic, had kids that could score the ball. Um, and I kind of just, we, we have a similar story in that my first job too, I was probably making like four or $500 a month there. Like, yeah. and everyone knows now there's no way you can live on that. So having no. to work multiple jobs. And I remember I would get up at five o'clock every morning, drive to, I would work at this gym on a military base that was 40 minutes away, but it was perfect. Cause I could work six 30 to 1130. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was living the dream. I was looking at it now. I'm like, how did you do that? But yeah, it's insane, making right? no, making no money. Yeah. And I would go to this gym every morning, Monday through Friday. And then I would come home, eat lunch, take a nap. And then I'd be at Georgian court from like two o'clock till 10. Cause we yeah. practice in the evening. Um, I can and relate I just, to that. <laughs> and I kind of, I'm just wondering like, what was your day like when you were working at Wilmington? Yeah. Um, so we would either have practice, uh, like extra early, maybe like five to like, we had like five to eight. Um, and then usually if we practice five to eight, then I would just go work nine to five. But sometimes we would practice, um, at maybe like 6 PM. And so I would then still just work nine to five. And then right after I got off. I would go straight, you know, to practice. Um, where it got kind of difficult was where when we started playing, um, mm -hmm. because you know most. I mean, I know for us, we never really traveled the day before a game, right? We were traveling to like New York uh, the day of a game. It was just like insane. So um, I would try to make you know at least one of my off days, um, you know, be on a day that we had a game, and then like if we had a weekend game, what I would try to do, especially if it was home. Um, I would just, if we practice, if we, if we had a game, maybe like two o'clock, I would just go and close after our game. So it was, um, you know, I work retail. So retail is like literally like seven days a week, in my opinion. Um, even on, you know, holidays, you don't really get a break. Um, so it was, it was difficult, but I don't know how, like you said, man, thinking about, you know, that, that schedule back then, like now I'm like, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> And I think it just makes you, it makes you appreciate even just being once you're, once you're a full-time coach, you're like, yeah, wow. I have, 
I have time within the day to do it. And it's still a lot. Don't get me wrong. Divisional right. coaches and all coaches in general work so much and put so much into it. Um, but that was when I, my first full-time coaching job, I was a Juco head coach and I would, I had practice at like three every day. And I was like, yeah. wait a second, my only job is basketball. I need to recruit <laughs> coach. Yeah. And it's just a total like, wow. I just remember sitting in my desk. I was like, I worked really hard to get this. And I'm sure you felt the same way once you, Absolutely. so you moved out, you moved on to UMass. How did you end up at UMass? Um, just through, uh, networking. Um, one of my mentors, uh, Chris Barely, he actually was my high school, uh, assistant coach. Um, but you know, we've always been close. He was very close with Yolanda who was at, uh, at UMass at the time. Um, and you know, they, he kind of gave her my name. And then from there, um, Sharon Dolly, who was the head coach at the time, gave me a call. I flew up. Um, I got to see the campus and I accepted the job. Um, I just knew that, like, you know, taking that position, even though I wouldn't be able to be on the court, would kind of help me propel to the, where I wanted to be, which, which, which was back at the Division One level as a, as a coach. So um, I had played as a player, um, and I, I definitely wanted that experience as a coach. So I just kind of took a step back, you know, took on a, a director of operations role. Um, and then it, in my favor, it kind of paid off um, because the next season I was an assistant coach under tour. Yeah. What was it like transitioning? I know even you were an assistant coach, but at a lower level going from assistant coach to, like you said, a director of basketball operations where you can't be on the court. What yeah. was that like? Um, I think it was different just not being able to, you know, have a voice on the court or be on the court. Um, but I definitely appreciate it um, because it just showed me how to be, um, you know, like a liaison, you know, between the program and, and compliance or between the program and academics. And then it allowed me to just, you know, see the, the, the back the back of everything and how everything works, um, you know, as far as travel and all of that kind of stuff. But it just gave me a different outlook on, you know, a different part of the profession, right, um, which I still cherish to this day. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking because I, I like catch myself sometime asking our dobo, like, what's next? Like, what are we doing at seven o'clock? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to ask. I'm going to look right at the itinerary that she made. Because I remember when I was a dobo, I'd be like, look, I gave y'all the itinerary, man. Don't text me asking me. Don't be that person. Don't be that. Don't be that stereotypical coach that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, a lot of us coaches don't know, you know, like that role. Right. So we don't know, you know, what it takes, how much effort you got to put in, how much work and time you, you know, put in to plan all these things for a program. Um, but I was able to experience that. And it was like probably one of the best years of me being in the business because it just gave me a different outlook. And it also made me appreciate being on the court. Right. And having a voice and being able to uh, lead and guide our girls on the court. So it was it was a great experience. Yeah, and I, I actually talked to Jazz Weaver from Appalachian State about this because she was a player too, and she went from player to Dobo. Yeah. And it's as a player too, like you kind of that dope, like you said, for even coaches, players, that Dobo is the person that they go to. Yeah. Um, whether they need they need a snack or just oh, I lost my don't I don't want one of the coaches to know, but I can't find my practice jersey. What am I doing? Um, stuff like that and it's gotta be, um, I never had to do that, but just like the transition from player yeah. to Dobo, I think it's good. Probably, it was probably good that you had that experience at Wilmington too. Absolutely. Um, 
so you could experience like truly like being a dobo once you were there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the division two level, it's, you do all of that kind of stuff anyway, as a coach. So, um, I don't think it was like a huge transition, but it definitely like being a dobo and then becoming a coach. You definitely, I feel like that's definitely like a big transition, um, on a division one level. So, um, you know, the grind that you put in as a division two coach, it definitely pays off once you get, you know, to division one, because you know what it, you know what it takes. You've already worked hard. Um, you already have that structure that like, and that mindset that like, you got to grind um, and you got to put in the work. You can't like half do things. So it was definitely, I think like coaching division two definitely has helped me, you know, through my whole career. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And what, was there anything that, cause I know you had played at the division one level, but once you got to UMass, was there like a big difference or was there anything that you kind of realized that you were kind of up a level once yeah. you got there? Absolutely. The resources are off the charts at UMass. Um, I mean, we had, you know, when I first got there, they built the practice facility um, champion. Um, that, you know, I was able to be, you know, in, have my office in, you know, from the time that I started there. Um, and the practice facility is just for men's and women's basketball. No other sport uses the facility. So um, it was, you know, just being able to have, like our girls having that access to, you know, the gym whenever they wanted to was like a huge deal because in college I didn't have that. Um, so just seeing the resources, um, you know, even, you know, find, you know, private, um, those type of things, just seeing the the stuff that our players, you know, would get or the, the resources that they had, you know, compared to when I was in college or even when I was at division two level was like a huge step up. So, um, yeah, it was, it was very eye opening. It was like, wow, this is how this is. It was like, okay. All right. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It, it just dawned on me and my wife's going to be mad at me, but my, my wife's an alum of Loyola. I, it it oh. just clicked in my head. You guys are there at the same time too. Uh, did she play <laughs> any sports? Uh, no, she was focused on school and now it's paying off. Okay. For her, so, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it just like clicked in my head. Once you said that, I was like, wait a second. Uh, yeah. my wife's an alum there, Amazing but school. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She loved it. Um, and so then kind of, could you talk about, I know you had said you were, so you were at um, UMass as director of basketball operations, and then there was a coaching change. What was it like going through that, especially? Um, oh, you, yeah. You hadn't been there. What Was it a year you had been there? Yeah, yeah. So, so you just moved up there, and then the following year, there was yeah, a coaching so right change? Yeah, after the season, that my first season that I was there, we got let go. Um, and it was a very difficult, you know, uh, situation because you're like in the unknown you're like is he gonna keep me is he not gonna keep me um but i had gotten really close with our um swa Doris, who's now at georgia um and she hired tori and she you know i had gotten close with her and she was like look i'm gonna try to help you stay i don't know if he's gonna keep you but i'm gonna try you know to help you you stay here so um i never forget the the first night that they brought you know tori on campus um, me, her, and him had dinner, and I, like, just flat out asked him. I was, like, young and fearless. I was, like, look, I'm, like, hey, like, you know, I know you just got the job, but, like, are you planning on keeping me? You know, because if not, I need to, like, go find a job. And he was, like, you just going to come out and ask me like that? I was, like, yeah, man, I just got to figure it out. And uh, he was, like, yeah, I'm going to keep you on. Um, and he kept me, you know, for the first couple months at, as a, doctor, a director of operations. Um, he sent me recruiting. 
uh, which was a huge deal because I had never been out recruiting, um, you know, on that level. Um, and then when I got back, he like kind of was like, hey, would you like to, you know, interview for the, the last position? And I was like, yeah, of course. So he kind of put me through, you know, I had to put a player through a workout um, interview. And then like during, like right after the interview, he like recorded the whole interview and was just like, hey, like you got the job. So, um, you know, at, at, ever since then, you know, it was just, you know, we were grinding to get the program to where it is now. Um, but I was under him and I learned a lot and I grew a lot as well. Um, and was, you know, assistant coach for him for two years. And then he promoted me to recruiting coordinator. So, um, it was, you know, a great learning experience for me. Um, and it was an awesome program to be a part of. Yeah. And you guys got it. I mean, they're playing fantastic now. They've Absolutely. really, um, they've gotten it to a whole nother level, but what was it like being a part of that from the in the beginning and just seeing how it ha has kind of the program has got to where it is now. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was hard, like our first, you know, season. Um, I mean, we had walk-ons playing for us. So it was like to that point. Um, and then we just kept, you know, grinding and working hard and, and you know, each year building and, and stacking wins. And I think that that helped us with recruiting. Um, and, you know, it was just amazing to, be a part of that program and see it grow. Um, you work so hard. So to, you know, to see something pay off, um, it's just, it's a great feeling. Um, and, you know, before I left, I got to be a part of a 21 season, you know, at UMass, um, you know, right before COVID hit. Uh, so that was just a, a great feeling and to win, you know, playoff, a playoff game um, and to advance. So it was, it was great. I think, you know, the last season that I was there before COVID hit, I think we would have, possibly, you know, made the NIT. Um, so, you know, but COVID, you know, disrupted that. But it was just a great feeling because it's like, like I said, man, you work so hard in this business. It just feels good when you see it all pay off. Yeah, and Coach Verdi's done such a good job there in building it. And I always appreciate what they've done because he, I mean, I've watched, I've coached against him. He's intense. Like I, yeah, I intense. see that side. And yeah. then when I see them out recruiting, they just seem so sure of like who they're recruiting and they know the type of kid and they're like, yeah, we can take this kid and get them to play right. how we want and do what they, we need them to do. And I, I just appreciate that because I know it's not simple, but it's also sometimes you just got to keep it simple and do what you know. And as long as you trust what you're doing, like it's going to work out. And I've just always, I've got that feel from that staff. I know um, Mike Leffler pretty well. And it's just, I've always appreciated the job they've done there. Absolutely. What are some, what are some things that you've kind of taken from your time there um, as you kind of have progressed through your career? And yeah. I know, I'm sure one day you want to be a head coach. Absolutely. Is there anything you've taken from that? Um, just really, you know, uh, how to run a program um, and also like how to really, you know, dive in into building relationships with your players and with recruits and their families. Um, I think, you know, when I was at UMass, we had to really, really dive deep and, and find recruits. And I mean, we took players that weren't recruited by division one schools, um, possibly sometimes, and they, they went to the program and they were successful because we believed in them. Right. Um, but you also had to really like just build the best relationships with them. Um, I think being in Massachusetts, where it's literally um, in Amherst, is really not a ton to do. Um, it allows you to build the best relationships with your players. Um, and I think I've carried that on my whole career. And that's what I want to be. I want to be, um, you know, a coach that builds relationships with players and recruits. 
Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, when coaching um, is to have those relationships because it just makes it easier, you know, to coach players um, because they know who you are as a person and they know who you are as a coach, um, especially for me because I can be a tough coach. I'm going to demand a lot, of, a, a lot out of you um, and I'm going to hold you accountable. So, you know, to be able to have, you know, that relationship with them um, and for them to know me as a person and not just a coach is important to me. Um, but, yeah, that was like, you know, learning how to run a program. I think Tori does a, a great job of doing that uh, from top to bottom. So, um, like I said, man, that was a great experience for me, um, being a part of that and, and seeing them be successful now. It's just makes my heart melt. Um, I still talk to them, a lot of the players are – other players that I recruited. So I still talk to a lot of the players um, and I'm still close with the staff as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then just kind of leading into my, my next question. I know you kind of touched on it before as you actually left to go back to Loyola and part of it was due to injury. So what was it like that one year at Loyola? Cause then I know you kind of had, then you go through another coaching change. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure being at the school where you went, that's your, that's your university. What was yeah. that like? Um, well, the crazy thing is no one knows this, but I had already accepted the job here at St. John's before that coaching change happened. So um, <laughs> I accepted the job here. Um, so I knew, you know, what my next step was um, before that happened. And um, going back to Loyola was a great experience. I got to, you know, coach under my um, coach that coached me when I was there, Joe Logan. Um, and, you know, we have a great relationship, still talk to this day. Um, he put up with a lot of my mess in college and I'm so appreciative, uh, for him and, and how he's helped me become successful as well. And how he took care of me when I was at Loyola. Um, so it was a great experience to be back and be under him and just, um, again, you know, being a part of trying to rebuild the program. Um, you know, after that season, we had a tough season, but we were going after transfers to, you know, come to Loyola and change the program. Um, but I had accepted a job here and was, you know, was coming here next. But it was a great experience. It was good for me to be home around family, um, around my fiance. Um, and, and I hadn't been back in Maryland in forever, um, seven years, eight years um, before last year, or well, the year before last. So um, it was a great experience, man. It was just, it's nothing like being back um, in a place that you helped build, right? Um, you know, I was on a team that, you know, went to the NIT. Um, and won in the first round, which had been, never been heard of at the university. Um, you know, I was like, they 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 called me like the grandma because I, I actually spent six years there um, due to injury, right? So um, it was a lot of bricks that I helped build, that I was a part of that helped build that program. So it was just back to be around. Uh, it was great to be back around that love and just that foundation that we set um, and, and to coach under somebody that coached me when I was in college. So it was a good feeling. And that was the COVID. That was the COVID year, yep. right? You were COVID there. Year, yep. How how was it there during COVID? Was the university fully? Was the university open, or was it just athletes there? Yeah, it was just um, athletes. I mean, it was like no one on campus but us. Um, and it, the season was very tough because it would be like you're playing a game, then a team team would get COVID, and then like the day before a game, you'll find out you're playing playing a whole totally different team than what you oh planned for, you know, the past three days. So it was just, it was hard. Um, it was hard on our girls as well. Um, you know, there was a lot of just restrictions that they couldn't do. They couldn't have people at their dorms. They couldn't go home for certain days. Like it was a lot. Um, and it was a tough time, but 
um, I think that experience makes us all cherish like being back around, you know, our coworkers and the players and like not having to wear masks all the time. Like, um, so I think it definitely, you know, again, goes back to, you know, helping us cherish being around a game. Yeah. And I always, I've said it every episode and I'll say it again. I give coaches, players, everyone so much credit. That was, that was hard. I had taken the job, I had taken the job at New Hampshire and I couldn't even go home for Christmas oh. like that year because you couldn't leave. Yeah. I could, you couldn't leave New England because then you would have to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. And I had a great boss. Kelsey Hogan would have supported me like going home to the only time I could see my family all year. She yeah. would have supported me. And, but I was like, I can't do that because we're coaches, players, we're all competitive, driven. We don't want to sit out. So yeah, it's hard. I just, uh, I give. The, I give these players and coaches so much credit for everything that they had to go through just to play. And it's, it's crazy. It's basketball, but just to play basketball right? and every, and everything that we had to go through. I mean, t if I had to tell one more kid to put their mask on, I would have gone insane, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy that everyone now is kind of getting to see what it was like. I don't know if it's like what it was before, but just right. kind of back to somewhat um, normalcy. Um, so what kind, what led you Back, what led you to St. John's? You had said that you knew you were taking the position. How did you yeah. end up there? Um, well, actually, you speak about Mike Leffler, um, one of the best people that I've ever worked with. Um, he actually helped me um, with getting a job here at St. John's. I had no known Joe because when I was at UMass, we played against St. John's. Um, but he kind of helped me facilitate um, getting a position here. Um, and, and once, you know, Joe gave me the call. I was like all in. Um, I think, you know, the, the school, the, the university and the program was at, you know, a point where it, I definitely could help as far as recruiting and, and helping, you know, build relationships with the players. So that was very intriguing for me. And it was also in a place where um, I can have a balanced life and still not be far away from my family. Um, and that's that, you know, the older that I get, that's the most important thing for me is, you know, being able to have that balance and being also being able to be close to my family. So um, that was kind of how that went. It was an easy, you know, uh, journey. Um, me and Joe had a conversation. I came up, we made it happen, and we was, like, running ever since. So, um, you know, that, that was kind of easy for me. But, um, yeah, Mike Leffler facilitated that, that whole thing. Uh, I, I, Mike's a great guy. I mean, great even guy. just from, from the time that I met him at Putnam, um, even if he wasn't going to recruit a kid that he came, that he saw playing on my team, he was like, oh, no, I think I know someone that might want that or that type of player. I think that he they might be a good fit there. And even that, like coaches don't have to do that. And a lot At of all. coaches and coaches do not do that. Right. And, and like a lot of coaches. And I think that's what sticks out and why Mike's been such a good recruiter, why you have kind of you've made your career as a recruiter is it's all relationship built and putting yeah. that relationship in even that work into a relationship, even when you're not going to get anything out of it. Absolutely. Like that's what genuine people do. And yeah. those relationships are real and it always comes, it always comes back around. Um, I was always a firm believer in that and being a prep school coach, you kind of see who's in it for like the player and just that short term, I need to get what I need or they're actually building a relationship with you. And right. at the end of the day, like those are people who you got their back when 
it really comes down to helping them in any way they can. So I always appreciated that with Mike. He was, he was always really good to me. Yeah. Good dude. Love Mike. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite coworkers. Um, and how, so what's it like coaching in the big East? I, you had been in the A10, so I mm-hmm. know that's pretty resources at UMass and now coaching in the Big East. Is there is there a big difference? Yeah, I mean, not a big difference, no. I wouldn't say a big difference. I think um, the talent level is definitely, uh, you know, bigger. Um, but it's, I mean, I feel like in the Big East, like the Big East is a great conference, right? Because in my opinion, it's a basketball conference. You know, most of the schools in the Big East are schools that don't have football. Um, And I feel like, you know, that makes, you know, basketball the main base and the main sport at that university. So it's definitely, you know, a basketball-driven conference. Um, And I think, you know, each and every night, man, you're playing someone, a tough team. And you got to have players that want to come play each and every night um, because you're going to be playing a tough team, um, playing against great coaches each and every night. So um, that's the biggest thing that I learned about being in this conference is that, like, you're going to face a big team every night. <laughs> so you got to be prepared. You got to have players that want to play, um, that want to compete and win each and every night. Um, and I think, you know, that's what we had this season. We had players that definitely want to, you know, win. Um, you know, they got a chip on their, their shoulder. Um, as you mentioned earlier, like we are older, um, but with older, you know, brings wiser and more experienced players. So um, I find myself being like, going off in games and them telling me like, coach, relax, we got this. Um, so that's always a good sign when you, when you have players that are like, we got this coach, we're good, you know? So it makes us feel good as coaches, um, you know, coaching them each and every day. That means you got some seniors because those yeah, freshmen will look at you with those eyes and yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh, the game's getting to them, but they, yeah. they figure it out eventually. But right. Uh, that's great. And I know you're, so now you're the associate, you have the associate head title. Could you kind of just for people that don't know um, what the associate title comes with and could you kind of just expand on that? Yeah. Um, I don't think most people know that like I'm associate head coach and recruiting coordinator. So I do both. Um, and I don't think it's like, a, I don't think it's like a huge difference. Um, I just think that um, the biggest thing is like, uh, you know, helping, you know, Joe has allowed me to help him make major decisions for our program. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest roles, uh, you know, with being an associate coach is like being your boss's uh, kind of right-hand woman, I'll say. Um, you know, me and Joe talk a lot about a lot of things and he puts me in a lot of positions, um, you know, to, to feel like I'm making, you know, and help making major decisions for our program. So um, I think that's the biggest difference. Um, you know, I still handle recruiting as well. Uh, you know, I, he, he felt that did such a good job. He wanted me to do both. So, um, it's a, it's a lot, but, you know, I have, you know, two other, our two other assistants who are great, um, that helped me, you know, with the recruiting part of it. Um, and then, you know, I kind of collab with, with Joe on a lot of things that, you know, we need to do for the program. Um, but it's also, it's always awesome to work for somebody that trusts you enough, um, to put you in positions to make, you know, those major decisions for a program. So, um, I think, you know, as an associate head coach, you um, are, you know, if anything happens to the head coach, you're the one that's up, you know, and stands up next. Um, and you kind of have to relay the message that he wants to relay, you know, to the players and the outlook that we want to have for our program. So um, I think, you know, that title definitely holds a lot of weight. Um, and uh, you just got to be prepared 
in, in every different, you know, area of running a women's basketball program. Absolutely. And I, to me, like that's, that's so great to hear that you're being put in positions to one day when you are a head coach, um, that you, you will be prepared because you, he's allowed you to have those experiences and understand just how big every decision is that you make. Yeah. And I, for me, that was as an assistant coach, that was probably one of the hardest things to understand at first. And then I was a head coach at prep school and at a JUCO. And it's like those that you think that you have to realize that every decision the head coach makes yeah. falls on them, not you. Right. Like, yes, the players, but at the end of the day, the head coach is the one that has to handle everything. Absolutely. And, um, being able to just get a preview of that and being prepared for that, um, I'm sure will really help you in the long run. And I'm sure I know one day you'll make a great head coach. So I I'm excited to see that. that. I'm you. excited to see that. Thank um, you. And I just, I've always appreciated your story just from working from working your way up from a part-time assistant coach to now you're an associate head coach at a big East school. And you did it, like you said, relatively quick. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it didn't always feel so quick, but no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, you're like, Oh man, like I've, you know, been doing this, this position for so long. I've been at this university, um, for so long, but it definitely like looking back at like everything went kind of quick, um, for me. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, but you know, like I said before, I think I was surrounded around, you know, great people in this business, um, that helped me get to where I am now. Um, and I work for one of, you know, one of the best coaches in the country who's had success. So. Um, and who's built, you know, a foundation of winning culture here, um, which is which is a great feeling each and every day to be able to learn from him. Um, so it's it's been a great journey for me, for sure. Yeah, no, I love it. And um, so what what would you say was the toughest decision you've had to make in your coaching career? Yeah, at least career wise. Uh, yeah, it would probably be when I tore my Achilles and um you know, left UMass and went back home. That probably was the hardest uh, decision that I had to make um, because I was just, I was really close with just everyone that was a part of the program um, because I had been there for so long. Um, and uh, it was a hard, it was a hard decision, but I knew at that point it was like a, a push for me to take the next step. Um, you know, I had, I feel like, I'm a spiritual person and I feel like everything happens how it's supposed to happen. Um, and I think that that was like a push from God to be like, look, you've done your job. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've left your imprint on this program and um, now it's time for you to do that at another program. So um, it was a tough de decision, um, but I think that, you know, we all kind of succeeded out of it all. Uh, <laughs> they went on to win championships and, uh, you know, I'm here now with, you know, a great team, a great squad who I believe will be successful. Um, and, you know, it was it was a tough decision, but, you know, it all happens for a reason. My feet are where I am for a reason. So I'm, I'm thankful and appreciative of all experiences. Yeah, I, I I'm totally with you on that. Everything happens for a reason, yeah. especially in this career. So much can happen and so much can change. And you see head coaches that failed at one place and then they go to, they get that second chance and they do fantastic. And yeah. they, they, and sometimes it's just like learning from, you just got to learn from, I, if I were to give anyone advice on the job that they're working is just learn yeah. as much as you can, put as much as you can into it. 
and good things will happen. Treat people the right way, do the best job you can, and your career will end up where it's supposed to be. For sure. Um, so kind of a little something lighter now, um, just getting into recruiting. I know you've been a recruiting coordinator. What are some of your favorite places that um, you like to go recruiting? Um, Region-wise, we'll get into July, but region-wise. Yeah, probably like Northeast because I'm from like the Northeast. Um, you know, like Maryland, Virginia, Philly, New York, Pennsylvania. Like those are the places that I've recruited most, you know, of the players from um, that I've recruited. Um, I also like have expanded from being in Massachusetts, um, you know, recruiting that region as well. And then like, I kind of, it's weirdly, it's kind of art, but I have connections in Atlanta, um, as well. So those are kind of the places that I love to recruit, but definitely like Northeast, man. I'm from Maryland, from Baltimore. Um, you know, I, I've lived in Delaware. Um, so I, I definitely have, you know, those ties. I live in New York now. Um, you know, some of the best players that I've recruited are from New York. Um, so it's, you know, this is like my area. I love to, love to be around, you know, these players in New Jersey and all of those players. So, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, my favorite region to recruit in. What's it like recruiting from St. John's in the Now that you're at St. John's and you're recruiting New York, New York city, what's it like? I think it's hard. Yeah, I think it's hard. Um, a lot of players from New York don't really like to stay home. Um, you know, if you look at our roster, like we got a lot of New York kids on the back end when they want to transfer and come back home, they just want to kind of go test the waters and then come back. Um, but I think, you know, I've always said like winning helps with recruiting, um, winning helps with recruiting, um, building those relationships, you know, helps with recruiting. Um, and it's great. I mean, being here in New York, like we can go see a player, you know, every night we can go see and recruit, you know, in the area every night. Um, and at big tournaments, because a lot of big tournaments come here. So that's the positive. And then, you know, a lot while those tournaments are, you know, in the city, you know, we're also using that, you know, to be able to bring up recruits um, for unofficial visits. So um, it definitely is great because we allow it's we're allowed to, you know, allow them to see our campus, um, you know, while they're up here playing in tournaments. Um, but it also is great because when you're recruiting, um, you know, New York players, they're like, it's not that far away from, you know, where they live at. So they, they can come up here and watch us practice, come to a game, um, and really get to know us as coaches. Um, so that's the plus and the positive about it. Um, but the biggest thing is, like, convincing convincing them to stay home um, and be a part of a program that, you know, has had success at, you know, the highest level. So, um, you know, that's the, the, the sad part about it is really just convincing them. But we actually got, you know – um, coming in for our 2023 class, we got, you know, a player from upstate New York. Um, uh, we got a player from New Jersey. Um, we got a player from Atlanta and then we were bringing a post player in from, um, Massachusetts. So we kind of got, you know, players coming from each area that we really like to recruit at. Um, and we're ex- excited about them. Yeah. I, I mean, I always loved when I was at Putnam going and playing in the city was so much fun. The Rose yeah. classic KP would do super jam. Um, I mean, the Mecca, great event. Always loved playing in Gaucho's gym. Yeah. That was like the highlight of our year. I had four or five Gaucho's kids on my team every year and yeah. going back and playing there. And 
they're going to get the breakfast, the breakfast sandwich yeah, yeah. at the corner, <laughs> at the corner store. As soon as they get off the bus, deli. they're going straight to the deli. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, real. F-. And New York, New Yorkers are so the most dramatic oh kids. I have extra kids <laughs> I've ever met. I love them though. Like they were my f- absolute favorite type of kids. Absolutely. I still, the ones I'm still in touch with, um, Fatima Lee, who's at Albany, like mm-hmm. she's, She's something else, but just the personalities of those kids were kids that I've always meshed well. Absolutely, with, because they'll tell you, they'll tell you what they're thinking, and so and so will I. So yeah. <laughs> we might get in an argument, but at the end of the day, we it's just easy to know where those kids stand because they're going right. to tell you where they're going to tell you where you stand. And I think for players, like that's what they want to know. They want structure. They want honesty. And Absolutely. as long as you can get that, give that to them, they're going to respect you. So I've always loved New Yorkers. I've those are my favorite kids in area to recruit. Yeah, um, New Yorkers love New York. New Yorkers love New York. <laughs> they love to talk of it. They yeah, love it. They love it, man. They love it. I work with everybody on our staff. Is our all of our coaches are from New York. Um, so it's funny. I'm like the only DMV girl on the staff. So it's funny to they love New York, man. They love it. They love everything about it. I love it too. It's awesome. I love living here. Um, anything you want to do, anything you want to experience, like it's here. It's awesome. It's a good city to to live in. Yeah, it it really is. It's so much fun. And so during July, what are some of your favorite areas to go to? Um. Hmm. I mean, I always love, you know, going to Louisville, uh, Atlanta, um, Indy. I mean, I love going anywhere. Iowa, I love the Iowa tournament. Um, I think it's an awesome, you know, venue and uh, you don't really got to leave to eat. You can just sit there, eat, watch games <laughs> and just kind of enjoy, you know, being in the atmosphere. But um, I even got to experience Dallas this past year, which was awesome. It was great, great, great tournament, great talent. Um, but yeah, man. I, I mean, I go everywhere, um, and I try to hit as many tournaments as I can, um, but while being strategic about which tournaments we go to, um, but I try to, you know, go as many places that I can to see, you know, players and, and really find players. Um, I, I love doing that in July. I love being able to, like, bring back a new player that we never heard of um, back to the table to discuss about recruiting. So, um, you know, that's exciting for me. I really am not too picky about where I go. I'm going to go wherever I can to find the best players. So every, going everywhere is exciting to me. I'm not picky at all. Yeah. I Indianapolis I loved just because you can get the way they set it up now with all the people running tournaments. You could hit like four yeah. all within a day. I That first summer back from COVID, I was driving from this convention center to the Pacer Center, then out to the suburbs <laughs> to see war games. I'm like, this right, is awesome. Right. Like, this is what – this is what I signed up for right here. Yeah. Like going from an air conditioned gym to then a hundred degree gym yeah. <laughs> and people are complaining. I'm like, we're not locked up anymore. We're right. out of COVID. Like, how can you not? I think that was the last time I saw you too. Was that, um, was down at Indianapolis yep. Yep. at McGraw's event. Um, and it's just like, I always, I always laughed at coaches that acted like that was, the worst like thing. the last thing, the worst thing I'm like, yeah. and especially now that I'm outside of basketball, like it doesn't get better than that. That right. is, you have to, if the toughest thing you have to do all day is sit there and watch basketball. Absolutely. You're in a, you're in a pretty good profession. Right. Right. Um, 
And kind of just the last thing that I, I want to ask you is if you were talking to any players, younger coaches, coaches looking to um, kind of get into this profession, what's up? What's one piece of advice that you would give them? Um, I would just say like network and build relationships. Um, I think, you know, my network and, you know, my ability to build relationships has helped me get to where I am. Um, and then to really like learn and really absorb like everything that's going on around you um, in a position that you're in. Um, I think one of the biggest things I always touch on this, but I think one of the biggest things that I wish I would have done is network more as a player um, and really keep those ties and those relationships to people um, that I met, that I met and built, you know, relationships with. But um, yeah, man, just like networking, um, really, really working hard, uh, really, you know, learning your, your craft, watching the game um, and building those relationships with people um, that can help you, you know, get to where you want to be. Um, and just being a good person, like you said before, like be a good person, speak to people, um, step out of your comfort zone, um, and embrace the uncomfort, you know, that you get from doing that. Um, you know, that definitely, you know, has helped me as well. That's great advice. And my only tidbit on that is, and I was actually talking to jo Jazz Weaver about this when I was getting, I was asking her for recommendations of people and she brought up your name and, I just said the la I just mentioned the last time we spoke the last time we saw each other was in Indianapolis and I can't tell you how many times I've met coaches they've called me especially having been in prep school with players they want to recruit mm -hmm. I've coached against them I've met them had conversations with them and you see them in public and it's like they're not <laughs> or they just like they really don't remember you and I'm yeah, like I yeah. remember every single person I've met right unless and and I'll never forget it. We had spoken about trying to get someone else on staff at mm -hmm. UNH and just the way you communicated. And then when I saw you in person, because uh, I don't know, I, I can't remember if we had met in person before. No, I don't but think we had. I don't well, think we had. Because we played against each other when, when I yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were probably both just, <laughs> we were probably just rubbing our faces, right. couldn't believing right. what we were, what we were doing at that time. But it's like you never met me before, but you still took the time to walk up to me and say hi and right. introduce your, reintroduce yourself, ask how I'm doing. And to me, like that just shows the type of person you are and the type of coach you are and why you've been successful is because you can do that, um, which, that. which should be the easiest thing, but a lot of people don't do that. So yeah. that's why I was so excited when you told me you'd be happy to come on this podcast and just a chance to hear your story some more. Um, and then get to talk some basketball and catch up and everything. So I really appreci appreciate you hopping on um, and best of luck the rest of the season. I know you guys had a big one last night, but we'll keep watching and thanks again. Thank you so much, Derek. Appreciate it.